Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we are talking about season eight, episode seven, called A Little Slice of Kevin. Kevin! Yay, Kevin! I like that kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't like thinking about little slices of him. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I do like Kevin as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not sliced. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. No slice Kevin, please. <laughs> So we start out outside of Randy Raccoon Preschool, which um, I don't think I'd name a preschool Randy Raccoon or anything Randy Raccoon. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Ooh, he's Randy. <laughs> I know. It doesn't seem right. So. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so it's daytime. Uh, some, some kids are playing in a playground. Uh, one boy finger paints at a table, which, okay, I found that weird too, like finger painting outside, but that's fine. I feel like there would be like dirt and bugs and stuff in there. Yeah. Which would be hard to avoid. Yeah. I mean, to each their own, but still. <laughs> yeah. I was just like judging all over the place here about this <laughs> Randy Raccoon place. <laughs> but um, a young woman says, it's finger painting, Erin, not body painting. Let's get you cleaned up. Uh, the woman what i just giggled <laughs> oh, okay um the young woman walks aaron to an outdoor toilet building and holds the door of the boys room open for him she says there you go um her eyes go demon black as she looks around before following the boy inside and closing the door bright light shines around the door frame and dark clouds appear in the sky strong winds blow through the playground uh, the bright light behind the door of the boys' room goes out, and the door partly opens and then bangs shut again. Children scream and run for cover. The door of the boys' room partly opens and then bangs shut again. And suddenly, there's a small tornado over the playground, and some strong wind knocks over some easels and chairs. The door it of the boys' room reminded me of like the Wizard of Oz. Not gonna lie, with the oh, whole yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, the little Wind twister, all, you know. Yeah. So the door of the boys' room uh, blows open and no one is inside. We got our opening title sequence. Uh, so we cut to. Oh, hold on. What did I just do? I don't know. <laughs> I just forgot a whole page. Okay, opening title sequence. Okay, we cut to Dean <laughs> driving down a road lined with trees. He's eating a bag of potato chips. Um, he drives right by a familiar looking dude in a trench coat. Um, as Dean passes the guy, we see that it's Castiel. Yay, Casper. Yay, Casper, <laughs> um, who has a beard and is wearing pajamas underneath his trench coat. Um, Dean turns around to look at Cass and breaks. He looks in the rearview mirror, then reverses down the road. He leaves the car running on the road next to a sign for the Twin Pines Resort. He gets out and looks around, but there is no sign of Cass. So we cut to a cabin inside. The bugger's trying to run off. I know. Don't just go like appearing on the road in your PJs. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Uh, okay. So inside the cabin, Sam is using the laptop and drinking a beer. Dean walks in. Sam says, hey. Dean says, hey. 
and he stands in the middle of the room holding a six pack and a paper bag. Sam says, you look like you've seen, well, I was going to say you look like you've seen a ghost, but you'd probably be stoked. Uh, Are you okay? That's a fair assessment. Yep. Dean says, yeah, I'm cool. What's up? Sam says, well, this kid went missing from a preschool. Dean says, that sucks. And Sam says, and at the same time he vanished, a surprise tornado hit lasted maybe 20 seconds. And then uh, Shazam, back to perfect weather. Dean says, hmm. And they poo-poo climate change. (laughs) Sam says, yeah. Smart ass. (laughs) I know. Dean puts the beer into the fridge. Sam says, well, similar wackiness has happened over the past few weeks in other places. Uh, Tulsa, a bus driver vanishes and a river gets overrun with frogs, which is disgusting. I mean, Um, I'd be more okay with that, though, than some other things. Like, I would rather have a river of frogs than, like, spiders, per se. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sam says, New Mexico, a mailman disappears and the earth splits open. Dean says, all right, so uh, you're thinking demons? Sam says, yeah, possibly, but I mean, this stuff was major. These folks have nothing in common. No religious affiliations. Nope. Affiliations is what I meant there. <laughs> That's Different. Affiliations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making shit up. <laughs> uh, different hometowns, all ages. Why would demons want them? Dean says, why do demons want anything? Uh, so are we on this? Santa says, yep. So we cut to a warehouse. We hear screams coming from behind a closed door. Crowley is torturing Samandriel with an angel killing knife. Um, this makes me really sad. I like Samandriel. Poor kid. I know. I mean, I know he's like a, not a kid, but still. (laughs) Yeah. He looks like a kid. Uh, Samandriel says, what do you want? I've given you all the names. Crowley says, no, no, no. And no, that is not what I want to hear. He cuts Samandriel again and Samandriel screams. Crowley says, this hurts you more than it hurts me. So I can go on forever, which in your case, forever means, well, forever. Samandriel says, when the angels find out what you're doing, Crowley says, they'll be what? Put out? I'm quaking, really. The power grid is so whacked out in heaven. They don't even know you're not there. So on the count of... Three, one, two, and then he plunges the knife into Samandriel, who screams. Um, then Samandriel says, What happened at three? Crowley <laughs> says, exist for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Crowley says, I lied. I do that. Just give me the other names. Samandriel says, There are no other names. The next generation isn't born yet. Crowley says, Truth? Samandriel says, Truth. Crowley says, well, I suppose there's no reason to keep torturing you then. And then he plunges the knife into Samandriel again. He says, sorry, once you get going, it's really hard to stop. (laughs) Crowley puts down the knife and takes off the little apron he's wearing. Um, Crowley says to a demon standing next to the door, keep him on ice. We've only just scratched the surface with this one. So we cut to a room in the warehouse. Uh, Aaron, the boy who was finger painting in the playground, uh, runs to the back of the room as Crowley enters. Crowley says, I hope the ruckus down the hall wasn't too off-putting. He walks to an octagonal table around which six people are sitting and sets a stone tablet on the table. Crowley says, construction standards aren't what they were during the Inquisition. 
the six people don't say anything. Carly says, Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I know. Who are you? Carly says, I see. No niceties. All right. I suppose you're wondering why I convened this motley group. Uh, so we cut to a bar. It's daytime. Uh, an abandoned bar. Sorry. Kevin enters and water pours down on him from above, breaking a salt line at his feet. Kevin says, Mom, you've got to stop drowning me in holy water every time I go out. <laughs> Mrs. Tran stands up from behind the bar. Um, Kevin fixes the salt line. He says, I am not possessed. Mrs. Tran says, not yet. Not now. They got to me, remember? Kevin says, we've got hex bags that make us invisible to demons. We've got demon traps painted everywhere. I've got a sigil tattooed on my arm. If we just keep moving, we'll be fine. And he puts a plastic bag down on the counter. Mrs. Tran says, what, and keep living in rat-infested hovels and running from cursed creatures? This is no life. Kevin says, it's my life. I'm the one dragging the profit load. I'm sorry I pulled you into it. Mrs. Tran says, don't be sorry. Be ready. We've got to stop running and start taking a stand. Do your homework, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She unpacks food from the plastic bag that Kevin brought. Kevin says, okay, you know, that's crazy. Mrs. Tran says, no, it's not. Not if we have the bomb you used on Crowley's demons. Kevin says, the thing I made had ingredients from all over the world, all right? Demons had to get the stuff. Mrs. Tran says, that's why I went to an expert. Kevin says, what? Who? Mrs. Tran says, I hired a witch. Kevin says, a witch? Are you kidding? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Mrs. Tran says, off Craigslist. Her name is Delta Mendota, and she is a smart cookie. She's scrappy, reliable, and she's willing to kill. Look, I'm your mother, and I did this for you. Kevin says, what makes you think you can trust her? Mrs. Tran says, I don't. That's why I didn't give her the exact quantities or tell her how to blend them. She's in the dark. Kevin says, you told her you were making demon bombs. Mrs. Tran says, yeah, and that's what got her super motivated. Oh, time for (laughs) Delta to check in. Kevin says, oh, my God. Mrs. Tran opens a laptop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Mrs. Tran opens a laptop. A message says, connecting to Delta Mendota. And Delta appears on the screen. She is a pretty young woman. Delta says, hi, Mrs. Tran. Is that your son? Hi, Kevin. Mrs. Tran says, hi, Delta. Bring us up to speed. You've got all the stuff? Delta says, almost. I don't suppose you'd tell me the recipe for these bombs. Mrs. Tran says, you know the rules. Casual encounters. That means no questions asked. (laughs) Kevin says, no, mom. That's another part of Craigslist. How long have you been a witch? (laughs) Delta says, a full witch? Since the band broke up. Kevin says, you were in a band? Delta says, look, guys, I take my witch business real serious. I'm on it, and it's going to be wicked awesome, okay? Mrs. Tran smiles happily. So we cut to a house at night. Sam and Dean are in their FBI suits and they walk up the steps to the front door. Sam knocks and the young woman from the playground appears um, in the window of the door. Sam holds up his FBI badge. So (laughs) (laughs) Sam holds up his FBI badge so she can see it through the glass. She opens the door, but doesn't undo the chain. Dean says, Mrs. Hagar. Agents Roth and Mal- Malloy. Malloy? Yeah. We want to speak to you. Malloy? Maybe. 
Okay. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember how, <laughs> how they said it, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. I think Malloy maybe, but it's I could tell M-A-L-L-O-Y. you. It's M-A-L-L-O-Y. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can go either way. <laughs> okay. Dean <laughs> says, we want to speak to you about Aaron Weber's abduction. Uh, Mrs. Hagar says, like I told the police, one minute I was, techie, I was taking Aaron to get cleaned up, and the next minute I woke up in a park three blocks away. Sam says, and you have no memory of what happened? Mrs. Hagar says, no, he was just gone. Dean says, can you think of any reason why someone would want to harm him? Um, any enemies? Mrs. Hagar says, enemies? He's five. <laughs> like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam uh, speaks quietly into his, into his phone. Um, and he's actually chanting an exorcism. Mrs. Hagar says, excuse me? Dean says, oh, it's uh, it's code for your own safety so that you can't reveal anything under enhanced interrogation. Now, when you woke up on the floor, were there any signs of a struggle? Mrs. Hagar says, no. Sam says, smell like sulfur? Mrs. Hagar says, how did you know that? Sam says, lucky guess. Thanks for your time. Mrs. Hagar closes the door and Sam and Dean walk away. Dean says, no reaction to the exorcism. Sam says, yeah, not possessed at the moment, but I'm willing to bet a demon got a hold of Aaron Weber. So we cut to the boys' motel room. Sam is asleep in bed. Dean is sitting on the other bed reading articles about the missing persons on the laptop. Some lightning flashes. Dean looks up and sees Castiel standing at the window staring at him. <laughs> like, creep, just knock on the door. You know? <laughs> no, that's a little weird, dude. Uh, Dean closes the laptop and walks to the window. No one is there. Sam wakes up and says, Dean, what's going on? Are you all right? He throws the covers back and sits up on the edge of the bed. Dean says, I don't know. I just saw something. Sam says, uh, you saw what? <laughs> Dean says, Cass. Sam says, Cass? Where? Dean says, right there. And, and earlier on the road, I feel like I'm seeing him. Sam says, that's not possible. I mean, you said it yourself. You made it out and he didn't, right? Dean says, I tried so damn hard to get us the hell out of there. He turns away from the window and walks a few steps away. Sam says, I know you did. Dean says, you know, I could have pulled him out. I just don't understand why he didn't try harder. Sam says, Dean, you did everything you could. Dean says, yeah, but why do I feel like crap? Sam says, survivor's guilt? Dean says, hmm. Sam says, if you let it, this is going to keep messing with you. You've got to walk past it. Sam claps Dean on the shoulder and walks to the bathroom. And we get a flashback to purgatory. Benny, Dean, and Cass are walking through the forest. Benny says, we're getting close. Dean says, really? I don't see crap. I mean, what the hell is this escape hatch supposed to look like? Cass says, he doesn't know. Dean says, hey, you just drug me into the fire. Please tell me you know. <laughs> Benny says, it's here. They promised. Dean says, oh, they. Well, that's comforting. Cass says, well, even if it does exist, Benny says, broken record, Cass. Cass says, Dean, it's a human portal. There's still no proof that an angel can pass. Dean says, stow it, Cass. You're coming. That's final. Cass says, I'm just saying. And he puts a hand on Dean's shoulder. Cass says, if it doesn't work, thank you for everything. Dean says, save the hallmark, okay? Like, it's really, going to work. <laughs> yeah. Nobody gets left behind. Dean walks off and Cass follows him. So we cut back to real time. Dean is still standing where he was before the flashback. Um, 
And we see a close-up of his face and he's looking just a little tormented. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Yeah, he was a little pensive. <laughs> so we cut to Crowley's warehouse. It's daytime now. Crowley speaks to the six people who are sitting around the round table. Crowley says, I hope you enjoyed our orange juice and pancakes. Best to pack in those carbs in the morning, you know. Uh, a man named Justin says, are we on a spaceship? Crowley <laughs> says, sorry. A woman says, snapping us up from our homes, our families, teleporting us to this mothership. Crowley says, mothership. <laughs> Justin says, you're aliens, right? Crowley says, possibly a long shot, but, and he holds up the stone tablet. He says, does this mean anything to you? Justin takes a look at it and says, I don't read Chinese. <laughs> Crowley says, like, talk oh, about, <laughs> I know. Crowley says, talk about the dumbing down of America. Anyone? Come on. It's fun. Give it a go. You hapless toads are utterly clueless, aren't you? Uh, a man named Dennis says, I got a wife and kids. I got bills. I can't miss work. Crowley says, sir. Dennis says, I got rights. Where's my one phone call? <laughs> Crowley makes a hand motion and Dennis doubles over. Blood pours out of his mouth and he slides to the floor against the wall. Crowley says, anyone else want to complain? Hmm. A woman stands up uh, and picks up the stone tablet. She says, um, reading it. She says, um, we hold this, um, maybe these truths to be Crowley turns the stone tablet 90 degrees. She says, oh, and then she laughs. All right. That's better. Yeah. Oh. So we cut to Kevin's abandoned bar. He opens the door and Delta comes in. Delta says, hi, Kevin, right? Kevin nods. Delta says, hmm. So I was, oh, Mrs. Trans uh, squirts Delta in the face with holy water. Delta says, what the hell? <laughs> Kevin says, and my mother you've met. And he hands Delta a towel. Delta says, yeah. Mrs. Trans says, you have everything? Delta says, you bet. And she hands Mrs. Tran a bag. It was a bitch, but so worth it. Honestly, I am sick of being, being treated like dirt by those demons. Like who died and made them boss? Well, probably somebody did. But they could use a serious attitude reduction. Kev, where's the ladies' room? Long drive. And, you know, Kevin says, over there. Delta says, cool. Mrs. Tran is going through the bag. And she says, Delta, what is this? I was clear. I need to build an arsenal. This gets me maybe one weapon. Delta says, it's just a little taste of what you'll get when I get paid in full. Mrs. Tran says, that was not the agreement. Delta says, it is now. And she walks towards the bathroom. Kevin watches her go. She's wearing a very short skirt. <laughs> Mrs. Tran says, Kevin, forget it. <laughs> so we cut to the boys' motel room. Sam is using the laptop. He says, hey, so it's not just Americans who are vanishing. This guy, uh, Luigi Ponzi, disappeared walking between two subway cars in Rome. And right above ground, there was a freak hailstorm. Dean says, so we're going to Rome? Wouldn't be too shabby. Cass appears in the mirror in the bathroom that Dean is in. Dean straightens up and sees Cass, uh, and he turns around. Cass says, hello, Dean. So we cut to some time later. Sam and Cass are sitting at the table, and Dean is, Dean is leaning on the kitchen counter. Uh, Sam says, unbelievable, man. I, I can't believe it. You're actually here. 
Cass says, yeah, I've been trying to reach out, but for whatever reason, I wasn't at full power, so I couldn't connect with you. Sam says, that must have been why you kept seeing him. I mean, you think? Dean says, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to be honest. I'm thinking, how the hell did you make it out? I mean, I was there. I know that place. I know how he had to scratch and claw and kill and bleed to find that portal and make it through. And it almost finished me. So exactly how are you sitting here with us right now? Cass says, Dean, everything you just said is completely true. And that's the strange part. I have no idea. I remember endlessly running and hiding from Leviathan. And then I was on the side of the road in Illinois. And that was it. Dean said, Dean says, and that was it. Cass says, yes. And he pauses and then says, oh, I'm dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes me giggle. (laughs) 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 Dean says, yeah, well, purgatory will do that to you. Cass walks to the bathroom and we get a flashback of purgatory. Uh, Benny, Cass, and Dean are walking through the forest. Cass says, maybe you were lied to. Maybe there is no seam. Benny says, I lie. I don't get lied to. Are you guys all about, aren't you guys all about faith? Cass says, not particularly. And they watch a leaf, which seems to be lifted upwards by an air current. Um, At the top of of a cliff far above them, a patch of blue light shimmers and changes shape rapidly. Benny says, oh, ye of friggin' little faith. <laughs> Dean says, what the hell? Cass says, there it is. To Dean, he says, it's reacting to you. Benny nods to Dean and says, all right, ready? Dean says, just like we talked about. And Dean cuts his left forearm with a large knife. Benny says, putting a lot of trust in you, brother. Dean says, you earned it. And he cuts Benny's left forearm and they grip each other's arms uh, with their left hands. Benny says, I'll see you on the other side. And Dean chants in Latin. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying that. Chants in Latin. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Um, Benny looks upward as his body goes rigid. His left hand, which grips Dean's arm, glows glows with red and white light. Benny then appears to be consumed by the light and flows into Dean's arm. Dean says to Cass, let's go. So we cut to some time later. Dean and Cass hurry along the top of the cliff towards the portal. Cass says, Dean, wait. And something hits the ground and clouds of black smoke in front of them. As the smoke clears, two balls of black goo become leviathans. And we cut back to real time in the motel room. Sam says, Dean? Dean says, huh? <laughs> Sam says, you all right? Dean says, you do see something severely wrong here, right? Sammy, I remember every second of leaving that place. I mean, I remember the heat, the stink, the pain, the fear. I have that whole ugly mess right up here. And he taps his head. He says, and he says he has no idea how he got out. I'm just not buying it. Sam says, so what? You think he's lying? Dean says, I'm saying something else happened. I saw the shape that he was in. I mean, there was no way he was fighting his ass out alone. No way. Sam says, all right, so who or what got him out? Dean says, exactly. Cass comes out of the bathroom. He's now wearing a suit and tie under his trench coat, which is clean and is freshly shaved. Cass spreads his arms wide and says, better? (laughs) So we cut back to Kevin's abandoned bar. Mrs. Trans says, listen, you little skank. In the service industry, you always deliver the goods, 
then you get paid. Even hookers know that. <laughs> Delta says, hmm, says you. See, my sister's a hooker. So hookers get paid first and then you get the goods. Look, I'm not the one with demons on my ass. You want to renege on our deal? It's fine by me. Mrs. Tran says, Kevin, bring me my purse. To Delta, she says, your mother must be so proud. <laughs> Delta says, she is. Of course, with my sister, the bar ain't real high. <laughs> Kevin opens I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's fair, I guess. <laughs> Kevin opens a door and walks into another room. The salt line along the windsill is broken. He hurries back to his mom and says, mom, did you break the salt line by the storeroom window? Mrs. Tran says, what? Of course not. Suddenly Crowley is there. He clears his throat. Beside Crowley is another demon. Crowley says, I wouldn't bother Kevin. There's no rush. Hello, Delta. Delta says, hiya. <laughs> Mrs. Tran says, you betrayed us? Kevin says, how could you? She's too trusting. I know. Yes, she is. Delta says, I'm mer mercurial. I don't know if I said that right. I think so. I think so. Crowley says, I'm afraid Delta found you to be a difficult and ungrateful employer, Mrs. Tran. She felt she gained far more leverage by negotiating with me. I am, after all, the king of hell, and you are a mom. Delta says, I did good, didn't I, your majesty? Crowley says, yes, very. He snaps his fingers and Delta disappears. Crowley says, presumptuous twit. Mrs. Tran says, please take me, leave my son alone. Crowley says, you, what would I do with you? To the demon, he says, kill her, destroy the markings for the spell. Kevin says, no. Crowley says, yes, say goodbye to mommy. Crowley snaps his fingers again, and he and Kevin disappear, leaving Mrs. Tran and the demon alone in the room. Mrs. Tran grabs a super soaker and sprays the demon with holy water. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Okay, have you seen those videos with, um, I think they're on like TikTok or something, and that's where they were originally posted anyways. I usually, I don't remember where I see them for the most part, but at any rate, there's this kid who I think he well I say kid he's probably like you know maybe 20 um mm -hmm. lives with his grandma and she like has these like nerf guns hidden all over the house and so all of a sudden she'll just like pull one out and like takes him down and shoot him with it you know oh that's cute <laughs> it kind of reminded me of that they'll like have like nerf gun wars and stuff that's super like, kinda, cute she's just like whips it out from nowhere and is like ha, you know yeah uh, Killian would love that. That's a good <laughs> idea. Hmm. Um, okay, so we cut to the boys' motel room. Cass is watching TV. Sam is using the laptop at the table. Dean comes in carrying a six-pack of beer. He says, what's the latest? Sam says, the latest is nothing. It's like it all stopped. No freak disappearances linked to any freak natural events. Dean sets a beer down in front of Sam and looks at the laptop. He says, so how many have we got? Seven? Sam says, yeah. Uh, Luigi, Justin, Aaron, Maria. Castiel says, Maria, Dennis, Krista, Sven. Sam and Dean look at him. Cass says, I miss television. <laughs> Sam says, wait, Cass, how did you know those names? Cass says, well, they're prophets. Dean says, prophets? Cass says, yeah. Angels instinctively know the names of every prophet, past, present, and future. Dean says, so this is a list of the name. So this list is the name of every one of them that exists. 
Cass says, yes, until the next generation is born. Plus Kevin Tran, of course. The other seven are future prophets, since uh, only one can exist at a time. Sam says, uh, how is Kevin a prophet if Chuck is a prophet? Cass says, I'm not sure what happened to Chuck, but um, he must be dead. Dean says, so the next one comes off the bench if Kevin goes down? Cass says, exactly. And they have no idea who they are, of course. Sam says, Crowley. Dean says, insurance. Boy, he's getting desperate. Sam says, explains all the weird phenomena. Lower level demons nabbing heavy duty cargo. The vessels of God's word. Boom. Cass says, I get the feeling something's going on. <laughs> Samson, sorry. I feel a disturbance in the force. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam on the phone says, Hello, Mrs. Tran. Well, where the hell have you? What? He stands up and takes the phone away from his ear and says to Dean, Crowley's got Kevin. So we cut to Crowley's warehouse. Uh, Kevin is sitting at the circular table with the stone tablet in front of him. Crowley says, So, Kevin, as you can see, our relationship is much simpler now. You either help me or you die, and one of these fine specimens takes your place. I don't quite understand your hesitation. Kevin says, you just killed my mother. Crowley says, very unfortunate, but to be fair, she was plotting to kill me and my kind. Kevin, Kev, I can do a great deal for a plucky lad like you. Kevin says, you'll just kill me as soon as I read the tablet. Crowley says, are all young people so horribly cynical? It depresses me, Kevin. Here's the thing. I really want you to read the tablet because frankly, this lot failed to inspire. However, better a stupid prophet than a stubborn prophet, as the saying goes. So what's it going to be? Perhaps you doubt that I'm serious? Crowley makes a hand motion and one of the women at the table float up into the air gasping. Crowley snaps his fingers. Kevin and the others around the table are stunned as they're splattered with the woman's blood. Crowley takes out a handkerchief that is monogrammed with the letter C and, and dabs his mouth. Of Crowley course. says, I know, of course he has that. He says, so read any good tablets lately? So we cut to a road at night. Sam, Dean, and Cass are sitting in baby, which is parked by the side of the road. Dean says, where the hell is she? Sam says, she'll be here. Uh, mile marker 96 was kind of the halfway point. We get a flashback of purgatory. The portal shines with moving blue light. Dean swings at the first Leviathan who ducks and hurls him to the ground. Dean rolls downhill for a while. Cass tries to put a hand on the Leviathan's head, but the second Leviathan kicks the back of Cass's legs and punches him as he falls to his knees. Uh, the, the Leviathans continue to punch and kick Cass, who falls heavily to the ground. The second Leviathan pulls Cass to his feet and Cass hits her, sending her falling backwards. The first Leviathan grabs Cass and his mouth transforms. Dean appears behind the first Leviathan and decapitates him. Cass pushes the second Leviathan forward so that she's bent over and Dean decapitates her. And then Dean pulls Cass to his feet. Dean says, we got to move. The portal's closing. And they climb upwards towards the portal. Cass stumbles a bit. Dean says, Cass, damn it. Come on. Dean reaches the portal and steps into it. He stretches out a hand to Cass. Dean says, come on. Cass grabs Dean's hand. Dean says, I got you. Hold on. Cass says, Dean. Dean says, hold on. Cass loses his grip on Dean's hand and slides down a ways. Cass yells, Dean. And then the portal closes and disappears, taking Dean with it. We cut back to real time. Dean says, 
Cass, can I talk to you outside? So Dean and Cass get out of the Impala. Cass says, what? Dean says, exactly. What? What the hell happened? Back there. Purgatory. I told you I would get you out. We were there. It was like you just gave up. It's like you didn't believe we could do it. I mean, you kept saying that you didn't think it would work. Did you not trust me? Cass says, Dean. Dean says, I did everything I could to get you out. Everything. I did not leave you. Cass says, so you think this was your fault? A car drives up. Sam gets out of the Impala and Mrs. Tran parks next to the Impala and gets out of her car. She says, you can do this, can't you? You can get him back. Dean says, how did Crowley find you? Mrs. Tran says, oh, I hired a witch and she ratted us out. <laughs> Sam says, Just like, oh, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Sam says, a witch? Why'd you hire a witch? Mrs. Tran says, to make demon bombs, of course. These are Kevin's notes. And she gives Sam a notebook. Dean says, do you have any idea where Crowley took him? Mrs. Tran says, no, but uh, this guy might. And she unlocks the trunk of her car. Uh, the demon she blasted with the super soaker is inside the trunk, bound by a devil's trap on the trunk lid. Dean says, oh, and he takes out his demon killing knife. He says, let's talk. He's so like, we, ho, ho, ho. yeah <laughs> he's, he's a little overexcited but that's fine um so we cut back to crowley's warehouse kevin is strapped to a chair in the room where crowley was torturing samandriel a blood-stained table holds torture implements crowley says i thought privacy might make it easier to chat this decision time kevin how's this gonna go you know what brings out the worst of me crowley grabs a knife and cuts off one of kevin's little fingers Ugh. What? Kev- and it Kevin screams. The worst sound, and I just kind of wanted to vomit. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. Kevin screams. He says, All right, enough. I'll do it. So we cut to some time later. Kevin is reading the stone tablet. His left hand is wrapped in a bloodstained bandage. Kevin says, The next is the demonic influence on the collective tapestry of the soul. Crowley says, Blah, blah, blah. Doesn't anyone ever edit this stuff? So far, as a writer, God's a snooze. No fun at parties, I hear. Kevin says, um, demonic transport to the regions of hell? Crowley says, tell me something I don't know. Think macro. This is stupefyingly micro. Kevin says, how macro? Crowley says, game changing. So we cut to outside the warehouse. Uh, It's daytime. Uh, The Impala and... Mrs. Tran's car drive along the fence outside the factory or the warehouse. Uh, Dean and Cass are in the Impala. As Miss Tran goes to get out of her car, Sam handcuffs her to the steering wheel. Sam says, sorry, Mrs. Tran. Mrs. Tran says, wait, what? Dean opens the trunk of Mrs. Tran's car and says the demon inside, this it? The demon looks around and says, yes. Mrs. Tran says, my son is in there. Sam says, which means Crowley already has leverage. He doesn't need another hostage. Dean stabs the demon with his demon killing knife. The demon's eyes and mouth glow bright orange light and he screams. Dean closes the trunk and Sam gets out of Mrs. Tran's car. Mrs. Tran says, oh, come on. So we cut to inside the warehouse. Uh, Crowley says, yes. And he blows on a pinwheel to make it spin. Kevin says, well... Crowley says, don't provoke me, Kevin. You still have nine fingers. And he blows on the pinwheel again. Pinwheel. I don't know why I'm saying pinwheel. Yeah, whatever. I got I it. <laughs> A thing you blow on, it spins and the shiny. 
Yeah. Uh, Kevin says, uh, this section has to do with building defensive weapons against demons. Crowley says, mm-hmm, you're familiar with that one, I believe. And he blows on the pinwheel. Kevin says, and this one describes uh, sealing the gates of hell. Crowley says, so it's true. It's there. Clearly, humans cannot possess this thing. What was God thinking? We'll get back to that. We're just getting to the sexy part. <laughs> we cut back to the boys. Uh, Dean, Sam, and Cass walk down some stairs and under some pipes. They pass a sign that reads, beware, beware, sharp edges, keep fingers clear. Uh, Dean motions and they step back out of sight as a demon approaches. Dean stabs the demon in the back with his demon killing knife. Sam says, all right, I'll check that way. Sam goes to the left. So Dean nods to Cass and they go to the right. We cut back to Kevin. The stone tablet seems to shake and shimmy in Kevin's hands. Kevin says, hold on, this is different. It's, it's not text, it's like a personal note. Crowley says, a personal note from God? Kevin says, from the archangel, Metatron. Crowley says, describe and suck up. Took down God's word, picked up his cleaning. Kevin says, it's like a farewell note. Crowley says, go on. So we cut to Sam. He walks down a flight of stairs and sees four demons in a room below him. Uh, We cut back to Kevin, who reads, upon completion of this task, I take my leave of my master in this world. We cut back to Sam. Um, He walks inside the warehouse and the four demons block his way. One demon says, Winchester. Sam says, looks like, like, (laughs) (laughs) try that again. (laughs) Sam says, looks like you guys got me. Um, as the demons come for him, Sam takes out a bottle and throws it at the ground at the demon's feet. Sam covers his face as bright light flashes and the demons burn up and disappear. The demon's shadows are burnt into the wall behind them. And we cut, well, that was pretty cool. We cut to Dean and Cass. They're walking through the warehouse. Cass says, we're very near Kevin. We cut to Sam. He kicks open a door and enters the room and sees the bloodstained circular table. Sam says, oh no. And then the future prophets uh, slowly pop up from underneath the table. The little boy named Aaron peers around a concrete block. Sam says, hey, uh, I'm here to help. We cut to Cass and Dean. They're walking through the warehouse. Dean turns to find a demon behind him. He prepares to strike the demon with his knife, but the demon sends him flying into chains hanging from the ceiling in front of a window. Like, what are the point of those chains? I don't really know. I mean, I'm sure there's probably, somebody probably knows the reason, but I definitely (laughs) don't know what it is. (laughs) All I could think of was sex dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for some reason, I thought like butcher, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but there were a lot of chains, like too many altogether for a butcher. I don't know. I mean... I would guess that it's some sort of like manufacturing thing for something like whether you're hanging something from it or what. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it was weird, <laughs> but it looked cool. I mean, Dean being yeah. thrown into them. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the demon stretches out a hand towards Cass and Cass is kind of pushed back a couple steps uh, before placing a hand on the demon's head and smiting him. Um, yellow light flows from the demon's eyes and mouth before he drops to the ground. Cass studies himself on the wall. Dean gets up and puts a hand on Cass's shoulder. Dean says, what the hell's going on? You're not all the way back, are you? 
We cut to Kevin. He reads, so ends the transcription of the sacred word for the defense of mankind into the hands of God's children. Thus passes the compendium of tablets. Crowley says compendium. Kevin says it's a collection of things, especially when systematically organized. <laughs> Crowley says, I know what a compendium is, Kevin. What does Metatron mean? So we cut to Dean and Cass. Uh, Dean picks a lock. He says, it's not working. Cass says, Dean, I'm going in. Dean says, Cass, no, you're not strong enough. We cut to Kevin. Crowley says, there are more tablets, more than Leviathan and Demon. Cass teleports into the room. And Crowley says, Cass, fresh from purgatory. I wish you'd call first. Cass <laughs> says, Crowley. Crowley says, which Castiel is it this time? I'm never sure. Madman or megalomaniac? Cass says, Kevin is coming with me. Crowley says, I think not. The prophet's playing on my team now. Cass's knife drops into his hand from his sleeve and he holds it up. Crowley holds up his hand and his own knife materializes in it. Kevin stands up and backs away. Cass says, so this is how it's going to be. Crowley says, it's all very West Side Story, but let's be logical. Sorry, that was just my phone alarm buzzing. Oh, no, you're good. I didn't even hear it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was very loud. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, Crowley says, it's all very West Side Story, but let's be logical. You look like hell, and I should know. You're not up for this. Light shines from Cass. His eyes glow very blue, and he looks lit from within. Crowley says, maybe you can get it. Lit from within. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Crowley says, maybe you can get it up, but you can't keep it up. The light coming from Cass intensifies. Shadows of Cass's unfurling wings appear on the wall behind him. Crowley says, you're bluffing. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> Cass says, do you want to take that chance? And he stretches out a hand to Crowley. Um, Crowley reaches for the stone tablet on the table and Cass smashes the tablet and the table. Crowley disappears while holding half of the tablet. Dean busts into the room and goes to Cass, who is laying on the floor. Cass's light is gone. Kevin picks up the remaining half of the stone tablet. So we cut to sometime later outside the warehouse. Uh, Mrs. Tran wipes blood from Kevin's face. Sam says, cops are on the way. They're going to pick up the prophets. Um, they'll all be heading home. Mrs. Tran says, what about us? Sam says, I called a friend of ours, Garth. He does what we do. Well, in his own way. He'll keep an eye on you guys. No more going off on your own. You get that it was hiring that witch that got you into all this, right? How you holding up, Kev? Kevin says, are you kidding? I want to seal those bastards up forever. Took my finger. <laughs> I'm not okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, Cass thinks he might be able to fix that. In the meantime, just lay low till we get back to you, okay? Um, Cass is standing next to Dean, who is putting things in the trunk of the Impala. Dean says, that was a bonehead move back there. You could have gotten yourself killed. Why didn't you wait for me? Cass says, well, I didn't get killed, and it worked. Dean says, and if it didn't? Cass says, it would have been my problem. Dean says, well, that's not the way I see it. Cass says, hey, everything isn't your responsibility. Getting me out of purgatory wasn't your responsibility. Dean says, you didn't get out. So whose fault was it? Cass says, it's not about fault. It's about will. Dean, do you really not remember? Dean says, I lived it, Cass. Okay, I know what happened. Cass says, no, no, you think you know. You remembered it the way you needed to. 
Dean says, look, I don't need to feel uh, like hell. I don't need to feel like hell for failing you. Okay. For failing you. Like I failed every other God forsaken thing that I care about. I don't need it. Cass says, Dean, just look at it. Really look at it. And he touches Dean on the forehead and we get a flashback to purgatory. Dean and Cass are running uphill towards the portal. Cass stumbles. Dean says, Cass, damn it. Come on. Dean reaches the portal and steps into it. He stretches out a hand to Cass. And Dean says, come on. Cass grabs Dean's hand. Dean says, I got you. Hold on. Cass says, Dean. Dean says, hold on. Cass says, Dean. (laughs) (laughs) And then Cass pulls his hand out of Dean's grip. Cass yells, go. And the portal closes, taking Dean with it. Cut back to real time. Cass takes his fingers away from Dean's forehead. He says, see, it wasn't that I was weak. I was stronger than you. I pulled away. Nothing you could have done would have saved me because I didn't want to be saved. Dean says, what the hell are you talking about? Cass says, it's where I belonged. I needed to do penance. After the things I did on earth and in heaven, I didn't deserve to be out. And I saw that clearly when I was there. I planned to stay all along. I just didn't know how to tell you. You can't save everyone, my friend, though you try. Sam joins Dean and Cass. Sam says, hey, everything okay? Cass says, yeah, just uh, setting a few things straight. Sam says, good. Garth is going to lay low with the trance. And then we cut to an office. Mid word. Cass is standing in a brightly lit room, looking very confused. A woman named Naomi says, hello, Cass. Um, She's wearing a suit and sitting behind a desk. Cass says, where am I? Naomi says, you don't know? You're home, Castiel. Cass says, heaven? I've never been here before. Naomi says. Since when? (laughs) What do you mean? Like, since when has he never been here? Oh, like, I think. Just in that office. That room. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm like, my mind immediately went to like, I've never been to heaven before. It's like, hold on. You know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 What? You know? (laughs) That would make more sense that he's just never been to that room before. Yeah. (laughs) We good. Um, It's good. (laughs) Naomi says, um, not many have. My name is Naomi. We rescued you. Cass says, purgatory. Naomi says, an incursion of angels, which costs us many lives. Consider these chats your repayment. Cass says, I don't understand. Naomi says, tell me about Sam and Dean. Cass says, the prophet is being kept safe. The tablet has split in two and the Winchesters are trying to recover the missing piece. Why am I telling you any of this? (laughs) Naomi says, it's not your concern. Help the Winchesters come when they call. You will report to me regularly and you will never remember having done so. Cass says, no, I won't do that. Naomi says, now, as you were, they won't even notice you're gone. So we cut back to outside the warehouse. Sam continues his sentence, says, track down the other piece. You're with us on this one, right, Cass? Cass, are you okay? Cass says, yeah, I'm fine. And yes, I'm with you, if that's all right. Dean nods, and Cass walks away. Sam says, it is, right? You two are good? Dean looks down and says, yeah. And credits. Okay, so my first thought for this episode is, for someone so smart... (laughs) Why would Mrs. Tran take a chance with just some random internet witch? Yeah, that's weird. I just assumed that she did some research on her, but I think that she probably didn't. 
No, I mean, it just kind of sounds like, oh, she found her, like, she's, like, really smart, but maybe just, like, too trusting, but then is also, like, blasting Kevin when he comes in through the door with holy water, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, she said she just found the witch on um, Craigslist. Yeah, exactly. Like, for someone who's so paranoid and so, like, worried about it and has, like, hidden super soakers with holy water, you would think Mm -hmm. that, like there would be like some sort of warning bell going off in her head going, maybe don't trust a random person on the internet. (laughs) Right. How would you go about finding like a good witch though? I mean, it's not like they're on Yelp, you know? (laughs) They might be actually. Uh, I I guess you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't know. Not that I have ever or probably will ever look up witches on the internet, you know? Yeah, me neither. I, I mean, would, never say never. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I would assume that like, I mean, I guess other than Craigslist, most, I don't know, like get her name and then Yelp her, you know, or some. I don't know. Yeah. Or him, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just kind of like, what? You know, like, yeah, it's out of character. And, yeah, uh, it's super out of character. It just it really didn't make any sense to me how she could just like totally like, cause a breach in the system by just like trusting <laughs> Craigslist. You know, like, I thought she was smarter than that. Yeah, me too. She is smarter than that, damn it. He is smarter than that. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't know. So anyways, like... Also, like, my, my only other thought for this episode is, like, how, like, why would Dean remember the whole, like, exiting purgatory situation in a different way than what actually happened? You because know, like, he felt guilty. I mean, just, I think he felt guilty, I guess, and his brain was just like, nope, you're going to remember it this way. So then that way you don't feel as bad. But I feel like in the way that, it actually happened that would make you feel less guilty because it was clearly no his 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 brain changed it to make dean feel more guilty oh i thought you were saying to make him feel less guilty no no what happened in reality would have made him feel you know like it wasn't his fault you know Cass clearly pulled his hand away yeah so yeah, it was said, just kind of weird, like, but why would, I don't know, I feel like, why would your brain want you to feel worse about it and not better about it? Yeah, well, some people just are are that way, you know? Yeah. Take, take it all on themselves and second guess their actions and, you know, the oh, what ifs, sure. you know, what, what I could have done differently. Yeah, I mean, everybody has those moments for sure. Like, I definitely have, you know? (laughs) Yeah, same here, yeah. But it's just, yeah, it just, the whole thing to me was just kind of weird, like. It's a little strange, yeah. Yeah, it was just just off, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not in, like, a horrible way or whatever, but it was, yeah, it was just weird to me, but. Yeah. um, Do you have a favorite moment from this episode? 
Oh, cock. Okay. <laughs> I totally forgot to ask you before we started this call. Like, hey, do you have a favorite moment? And I definitely uh, realized that as I was asking you. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you said, do you, instead of what is your favorite moment? <laughs> um, um, see, we are not doing this half of the episode on the same day again. Uh, that you want me didn't... to do my favorite moment? Yes, you should. Okay. So <laughs> I kind of, well, there is a couple of different moments that I had that I really liked. One was that like <laughs> Mrs. Trans, like just I've got a super soaker over here and I've got a bucket of water by the door. And then there's all these salt lines and she was just kind of like prepared, you know, she went from like, I don't believe in any of this to like, let me, let me tell you about (laughs) my bunker, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But then also, um, oh, I just lost it. Where did it go? I had it. Where I just like I had it written down here. Okay, oh, well I the, I, I, the lady oh, okay. um who was like trying to quote unquote like read the tablet or whatever oh, yeah. he and she was like, Oh yeah, this is you know, like and she's just like totally BSing her way through it. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Crowley's like, here, let me turn it so it's in the right direction. And she was like, Oh, ha, 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 that helps, you know, like you can tell she was just like <laughs> please go away, sir. And I'm going to try and do what you want me to do. So then that way you leave everybody alone, you know, and was yeah. just like, ha, 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 you know? <laughs> okay. I've come up with a favorite moment. Okay. And it is when Delta, the bad witch is, um, in the abandoned bar with them. Mm-hmm. And she's just told Miss Tran that, or Mrs. Tran that, um, you know, she'll, get more of the product when she gets her money or deal or whatever she's upping you know what she wants mm-hmm. in return yeah yeah so um and mrs tran is just like how could you and delta's like i gotta go to the loo you know so <laughs> so where is it and like kevin shows her and she's walking away and Kevin is straight up like checking that ass out. He's like drooling because he hasn't seen a girl other than his mother for <laughs> how long. For so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a pretty good one. I did. I did like that one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his mom was like, Kevin, don't you know? He's like, Down doggy. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you want from me? Like, <laughs> He's like. Uh, it's been 84 years (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh man yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so our um interesting facts for this episode it says when sam and dean go to interview uh, betty hagar about uh, being possessed they employ the now famous rock star aliases um, since they already had a Hagar, as in Sammy, a Dean became Agent Roth, as in David Lee, um, with Sam completing the trifecta with a nice trivial twist as Agent Malloy. Um, Mitch Malloy was briefly the third lead singer for Van Halen before contractual conflicts prevented him from formally signing, causing the band to move on uh, to Gary Sharon. I'm guessing is how you say that. Huh. 
Okay. Sharon, yeah. Seems close enough at the very least. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I definitely don't know that name. So yeah. Um, it says Sam in the warehouse uses an anti-demon bomb and the shadows of three demons are left on the wall. Um, actually an overhead door. Um, at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the light of the atomic blast was so intense that it instantly photo bleached any dark and non-combustible surface. So brick, concrete, or stone, um, people whose bodies cast shadows on these surfaces left permanent unbleached shadows in quotes. Oh, that was a dark, interesting fact. It is kind of interesting though. They're like, Hey, we found this thing like, and it's technically like a bomb. So we're going to just like photo bleach them on this wall. Like what would actually happen if it was a bomb? I mean, I don't know if like they necessarily thought of that, but I think they probably knew that that is potentially what could happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then somebody made the connection to, (laughs) you know, yeah, the the atomic bombs that happened, but um, yeah, which is bad people bad atomic bombs <laughs> yes don't bomb people like just quit it that's <laughs> um, uh, not funny okay. it's not funny but you know don't do it like just quit bombing people <laughs> for real <laughs> um uh so it says as sam and dean are infiltra- infiltrating I've had too much coffee today and I'm like <laughs> passing out. Okay. <laughs> As Sam and Dean are infiltrating the warehouse where Crowley is holding Kevin, uh, we see a brief glimpse of a warning sign that reads, warning, sharp objects, keep fingers clear. <laughs> this is quite possibly a nod to Crowley cutting off Kevin's finger earlier in the episode. Yeah, I think so too. I would assume so. Mm-hmm. Um, God, could you imagine having a finger cut off? That'd be the worst. And like the sound that it made, bleh, you know, <laughs> that I gotta say, like, that was like, that bothered me, <laughs> you know, like more of just like the sound that it made as he was cutting off the finger was like too real for me. And not mm-hmm. that I know what it would sound like for somebody getting a finger cut off, but like, what, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, just, Ugh. Ew, uh. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't, I can't do that sort of stuff um yeah Mm -hmm. so our last interesting fact it says uh the harming of a prophet as seen when dean threatens chuck um in previous seasons attracts angels um or usually an archangel um but no one comes to kevin kevin's defense when crowley snips a finger yeah what's that mean like i don't know if that ever i think honestly my guess is that like and I think we kind of figure this out later potentially but um I think it was just like to me it just kind of seemed like it was overlooked yeah yeah or you know maybe snipping a finger is not mortal peril yeah like angel like what's a finger it's not gonna kill you yeah yeah maybe it just wasn't like bad enough you know (laughs) the intentions behind it were not evil enough it was just like hey pay attention you know yeah right but then with all like the future potential profits I guess like they're not the profit at the moment but like you would think that 
They that would mean Kevin is in peril because yeah, probably could just kill him and another prophet would, you know, profit out. And, yeah. Know. But you would think that they um, would want to keep the potential future profits too from getting injured. Yeah. I don't but know. That clearly like, wasn't kind of where's the line, you know, does it only apply to the person who's like powered up right then? You know, <laughs> like, Yeah, I think I so. So yeah, yeah. It was just kind of a weird one to me. Yeah. You know, like, okay. So yeah. Like Kevin was in danger. Yeah. Like where's the not line enough like, danger, I guess. Yeah. I know not enough. <laughs> Fingers don't count. I know <laughs> it only counts if you're about to kick the bucket. Yeah, I mean, with the whole like Chuck and Lilith thing, I would assume that there was <laughs> yeah pretty good danger about to happen. That wasn't Lilith with Chuck, was it? That was I think it was, wasn't it? I think it was a just a Lilith was coming after Sam, and they brought Chuck over there so that way because they're like, oh yeah, because Cass was like, oh yeah, they're you know if a prophet of the Lord is in danger, an archangel will come, you know, and that's why they brought Chuck to the hotel that Sam was in with Lilith. So that way, because with Chuck oh. being in the room with Lilith, the archangel would be like, we're saving this, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking of a different time Chuck was in peril um, in his own house when Cass stayed with him and like, an angel was coming yeah. to like, I don't know what kind, I can't remember what kind of danger he was in. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's why I was like, Lilith. What? Yeah. But- the only one that I remember was the one where they were in the hotel room with her or they brought him to the hotel room with her. So then that way, like you can kind of like shoo Lilith off. you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. I don't, re- I mean, I kind of remember the other one. That was a while ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and not just like, not just like, oh, that was, was a couple seasons ago, but like, it was literally years ago for us. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, we're how many years into this now? Season, oh, how many years? Um, Three? I think four? so. Over three. I think it's, yeah, between like, three and four. Not quite four, but definitely over three. Yeah. Yeah. So. I still like doing time. it. <laughs> yeah, I still like it. <laughs> uh, I still like it too, but I can't remember the stuff that happened two years ago, let alone what happened yesterday. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I guess oh. I just need to watch it a couple more times through to actually yep. like, remember everything. I know. You know, as soon as we're done with the with the podcast, like after we've you know done all the episodes, mm-hmm. um, I am without spoilers dreading doing a podcast on the last episode oh yeah I mean I don't think I I've only I've seen that episode twice and mm-hmm. I've cried literally from beginning to the end yeah I both times and well, I just the first time you know like you you don't know what happens but the second time you know what happens <laughs> you yeah know? exactly and I just I don't know if I'm gonna be able to um read the script while sobbing hysterically <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I'm gonna be able to do it Hopefully and it's not like that can... time like it'll be you would have like maybe I think honestly what you should do is watch it like I don't want you to like be an emotional wreck all the time but like I think you should watch it a couple more times before then to kind of like 
you know, get not like up a little bit, get over it, but kind of like become more like just like I don't know, you know, like get used to it, I guess. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. I need to I need to toughen up about it because I just like even like when I'm scrolling like Facebook or Tumblr or whatever, and I come across um pictures of the last episodes. Yeah. Specific pictures, not just like any old pictures, but yeah. like mm-hmm. like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like I I cry just at looking at the picture and I'm always I'm almost like it's too soon <laughs> you can't do this to me <laughs> I'm not ready <laughs> well we're on season eight right now and we've we got, got till season 15 so spoiler okay. alert there's 15 seasons in case y'all didn't know <laughs> so you gotta deal with this <laughs> I know <laughs> I gotta I gotta come to terms but with with that episode yeah <laughs> but um there was a point to this. Um, I haven't hit it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell um, you what it is because I oh, I I I don't feel like supernatural has ended. And that's because we're still doing our podcast, of course, and yeah. we're watching new episodes every week and sometimes two a week, right? Yeah. Um, but I wonder if I will be like ready to accept it by the time we get there. I feel like for me or the last episode, I think the last episode was a little rough for me because it was like, oh, there's nothing new. Like this is the end of it, you know, Mm -hmm. but also I don't know. I feel like it was the end of it, but not really because we're still like going through it and like, yeah, you know, but like once this podcast is done then I feel like that might the ending might suck a little bit more because it's like that's like the end of any new supernatural related stuff right well there is gonna be that um prequel show um that yeah I heard about like a brief thing yeah and I don't know if this is a spoiler or not like I don't know no 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 so they're talking about doing like I think it's like Mary and John. It's focused on Mary and John, right? Yeah. And it's going to be called the Winchesters. Yeah. And it's going to be narrated by Jensen. Yeah. Um, and it's being produced by Jensen and his wife's mm-hmm. like production company. Yeah. Which is under Warner Brothers. Yeah. But so. I, don't, I haven't heard anything about other than like them announcing that it was going to happen. Like I haven't heard yeah. anything about it. So it's kind of like, okay, you know. I- saw someone's tweet I think I saw like Jared's tweet or something uh, Mm -hmm. later um that said that it was like a couple years out oh I'm sure yeah yeah so yeah so so at least there'll be more content I yeah yeah I don't know maybe by that point maybe we'll be closer to the end and we can do like a podcast I think it'd be kind of cool to do a podcast um on that like as it's happening because then we could could, like with supernatural we know everything that's happened and everything that will happen because we've already seen it all we're like with this we could like I feel like we could speculate a little bit more yeah we can like where are they going with it because I feel like that's kind of like that was like pretty much our whole relationship (laughs) for 
the first part of us like being friends was like yeah. me going, what's going to happen? And like all this sort of stuff. And then when I caught up, it, we were like talking about like, okay, like what do we think is going to happen next? Like in all the theories and all that sort of stuff. So I feel like that could be a good, that could be yeah. a good podcast. That would be good. That'll be fun. Let's plan on that. Yeah. So we okay. might, I mean, at that point, I don't know if we're going to be done with <laughs> this podcast or not, but we might be close, but at the very least we could do like, you know, cause we normally podcast twice a week, be like, okay, like on Mondays we do supernatural. And then on Thursdays we do the Winchesters or whatever, you know? Yeah. Know, yeah. Like, that's a good idea with it. Yeah. So that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. We might have plans folks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Cause I am, I mean, I know that it's like years away yeah. that we are going to be done with this podcast, but I'm also kind of dreading it because I like love doing it so much. And it's like, let's be real. Like, yeah, I have a child that I keep alive, but like, this is, <laughs> this is like the only thing I do, you know? <laughs> yeah. I go to work. I have my ponies and this is my social life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I have somewhat of a social life here and there. Mm -hmm. but nothing consistent, you know, like, yeah, this is my social life right now, especially. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. I talk to other like moms and dads that like drop off and pick up, you know, every day for at Killian school, but it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I have to like pretend I'm normal and like (laughs) someone that they would like, you know, be fine with their kids hanging out with my kids. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) So I kind of, uh, dim it down a little bit, but well, I mean, I feel like, you know, most people have some anxiety and stuff and and would relate to that, uh, relate, you know, to just anxiety things in general, you know? Oh yeah. So that's true. Yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) So our (laughs) research from this episode is, um, uh, so we were trying to kind of like think of something to do with like the tablets because we haven't, um, done anything with that. And obviously as of right now, we've talked about, look, you know, a couple of different tablets. And so, um, they're, uh, my mind just went blank. So the, we, I kind of tried to stick with that and go with like, okay, what would be a tablet thing that we could talk about? And so I went yeah. with the Ten Commandments, which then brings us to the Ark of the Covenant, because that's where in theory, the, um, 10 commandments are stored is in the mm-hmm. Ark of the Covenant. And there's, I don't know, like whether you're like a religious person or not, my guess is most people have heard of the Ark of the Covenant because yeah. there's a lot of speculation of like where it is. They've had all sorts of like National Geographic, you know, things on it and like, you know, where it is, what it does, all that sort of stuff. So we kind of went that route today because it's interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, so this is, um, whoops, ah, there we go. This is off of Christianity.com. And the title is, um, what was the Ark of the Covenant? Um, it's meaning and significance. Um, oh no. And now my page isn't working. Ah, there we go. Okay. I was trying to scroll and nothing was happening and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so it says the Ark of the Covenant was one of the most instrumental symbols of faith in God's presence, um, the contents of which include um, included the tablets of the Mosaic law, um, which is the Ten Commandments, um, a pot of manna and the rod of Aaron. Um, the Ark's origin stemmed from Exodus 25:10, when Moses was commanded by God to make an Ark of acacia wood. I'm guessing acacia. Yeah. Um, it says in Exodus 25, uh, 10 through 22, the specifics of the ark were laid out. It needed to be two cubits and a half in length, um, one cubit being about 19.8 to 20.6 inches, um, a cubit and a half in breadth, and a cubit and a half in height. Um, the ark was overlaid inside and out with pure gold with a molding of gold around it. Uh, for transportation, the ark had four rings of gold with two rings on each side. Um, a pole of acacia wood overlaid with gold was placed into the rings to carry the ark. Um, these poles for transportation were to be permanent fixtures and never removed. <clears throat> so I don't know if it goes into this later as I don't remember, but basically, so the reason why there's like poles and stuff to carry it is because you're not allowed to touch it unless oh. you're like worthy or well, I don't totally remember what the um, what it is that, you know, consider like makes you worthy to touch it or see it or whatever. But it, the, um, from what I remember, if you were to touch it and not be worthy, it would like kill you. Oh, wow. Okay. So I could like, I'm not totally remembering exactly what all the specifics were, but there's like a reason for the poles because they can't touch the arc, you know, like okay. it's not supposed to be touched. It's carried with the poles and they're supposed to be permanent. So that way you don't touch the ark, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it says the ark required an atonement cover um, called the mercy seat to be built with pure gold and with the same dimensions and length and breadth as the ark. Um, there had to be one cherubim of gold on both ends of the mercy seat. Um, it was important to have the cherubim have their wings spread and facing one another, symbolizing the angel's attention and readiness to do God's will. Um, the mercy seat was where God would dwell. He said there above the cover, um, between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites, which is from Exodus 25, 22. Um, unlike the statuses of gods idolized by many of the Israelites, the Ark of the covenant served as a religious symbol where the people could meet with God. He hovered over the Ark when the priests were present. Um, if the priests were absent, the presence of the law tablets reflected God's presence. Um, thus, the Ark of the Covenant was aptly named because of the commandments written on the tablets. <clears throat> um, it says, as God gave instructions on how to build the Ark, he also instructed Moses to put in the tablets of the Ten Commandments, which was the law um, at the time. Um, and it says, uh, we see later in Numbers 17.10, um, the Lord said to Moses, put back Aaron's staff in front of the Ark of the Covenant law to be kept as a sign to be, or to the rebellious, not to be rebellious, <laughs> uh. kept as a sign to the rebellious. Um, and Moses and Aaron already had set aside a jar of manna in it, which the Lord commanded them to put with the tablets of the covenant law so it, that it might be preserved from Exodus 16.34. It says, Hebrew, he, he, yeah, Hebrews 9.4. I am so cracked out on caffeine right now that I, <laughs> I really <laughs> That's okay. It says, Hebrews 9.4 um, confirms these three items were inside the Ark of the Covenant um, behind, 
in quotes, behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold covered Ark of the Covenant. Um, this Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded and the uh, stone tablets of the covenant. Um, it says, unlike the statues of gods idolized by many of the Israelites, the Ark of the Covenant served as a religious symbol where the people could meet with God. He hovered over the ark when the priests were present. If the priests were absent, the presence of the law tablets reflected God's presence. Thus, the Ark of the Covenant was aptly named because of the commandments written on the tablets. Um, it says the presence of the jar of manna symbolized God's constant provision for his people. Aaron's rod, which dead, um, grew buds, um, yet grew buds, was placed inside the ark to symbolize God's approval as Aaron for the high priest. It says, most often the Ark of the Covenant was inside the tabernacle behind a curtain or a veil. Um, this veil separated, um, this veil separated veil, that's a weird sentence. Um, so the veil was made of blue, purple, and scarlet yarns and hung on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver from Exodus 26, 32. It hung from clasps and served as a separation between um, the holy place from the most holy place where the Ark of Co the Covenant and the mercy seat symbolizing God's presence were. And that's from Exodus 26, 33 through 34. Um, it says this veil is also significant in the New Testament. Um, in Mark 15, 37 through 38, we see at the moment Jesus died on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Um, it says Hebrews 10, 9 through 22 explains the significance of this event. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and uh, living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Um, before Israelites um, could not enter the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence was. Now, all who believe in Christ Jesus can have confidence to draw near to God. Um, it says, for the Israelites, the Ark of the Covenant meant God's presence. Um, throughout the Old Testament, we see stories of how God provided safety and success using the symbol of the Ark. Um, in the book of Joshua, we learn of the safety of the Ark um, provided the Israelites as they passed over the Jordan into the Promised Land. Uh, Jordan's a river, in case mm -hmm. you know, people don't know that. Um, it says in Joshua 3.6, um, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass before the people. When the priests came to the Jordan, uh, just as was commanded, the waters were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho when the Ark neared. Um, in the sixth chapter of Joshua, the Ark was instrumental in the battle of Jericho. Um, the Ark was taken around the city six times in six days and was preceded by seven priests who sounded seven trumpets made of ram's horns from Joshua 6-7. Um, on the seventh day, the ark with the armed men and the priests did the same, but the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat from Joshua 620. If only it was that easy to win, <laughs> yeah. win a battle now, like walk around them a few times and be like, Hey, and then the whole thing comes falling down. Yeah. <laughs> Not to make light of it, but still like if it were only that easy now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says the Philistines captured the Ark when Israel summoned possession of the Ark following a brutal defeat. Um, they felt the mere possession of the Ark would give them the favor of God. 
Um, Israel suffered another defeat and lost the ark to the Philistines who were not intimidated by the shouts and the supposed presence of a God into the camp um, from 1 Samuel uh, 4, 11. It says, contrary to the Indiana Jones movies, <laughs> the ark was not relocated in 1936. <laughs> the last recorded mention of the Ark of the Covenant's location in the Bible was 2 Chronicles 35, um, King Josiah assigned the priests to their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of the Lord um, from 2 Chronicles 35.2. Um, he then instructed the Levites to put the holy ark in the house that Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. You need not carry it on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel from 2 Chronicles 35.3. Um, it's believed the ark was destroyed during the destruction of Jerusalem at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, it says, John wrote in Revelation eleven nineteen that after the great white throne judgment, uh, God's temple in heaven was opened and the Ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. At this time, the veil over the hearts of all Christians, Jews, and Gentiles will be eliminated. Um, this new state of the church will reveal the mysteries of the world or of the word and its truths fully illuminated. Um, so yeah, there's been all sorts of different like people have tried to find the ark and they're like oh well you know there's when i was looking this up um there's a bunch of like oh like last people thought it was in ethiopia and then you know people thought it was here or in this like mm -hmm. in this cave somewhere you know like it's been kind of one of those things that like people like dedicate their lives to like trying to find this thing you know wow. because it's like such a important um it's such an important thing for multiple religions you know whether you're jewish or christian or you know mm -hmm. whatever you know like it's kind of one of those like artifacts that everybody wants to find you know and like with um like they found um uh, noah's ark which mm. is a so back, you know, towards the beginning of the Bible, there was, you know, you know, God created the world and blah, 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 blah. We screwed up one too many times. <laughs> and he's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to flood it all and start it over again. But he, you know, um, let, um, uh, you know, a certain family and two of every kind of animal onto the ark to preserve them to then repopulate the earth from there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so like arcs are always kind of like, uh, God's promise sort of thing. And since this one especially holds like the 10 commandments and that, which is like, you know, don't steal, don't lie, you know, like yeah. all the different, like the basic, like, this is what you should do as a person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, even if you're not religious, like, Hey, don't steal, don't lie, you know, <laughs> like right. honor your father and mother, all that sort of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's like a really like, it's it's a thing you know <laughs> so, well that's cool yeah it's kind of fun and it's the only like tablet thing that I know of that's like mm -hmm. you know not something to do with like a video game or <laughs> right but yeah so it's kind of fun and uh there's a lot if you if it's interesting to you there's a lot of stuff that you can like find specials through like 
I think I saw a special at one point on like National Geographic or the History Channel or something about like this archaeologist who was trying to find it. And like, you know, it, there's all sorts of things that you could look up if that's, you know, kind of something that you're curious about. But cool. Um, it's definitely been like one of the longest um, mysteries, I guess <laughs> you could say. Yeah. <laughs> of like humans, you know. Mm-hmm. like where is this thing you know yeah but anyway um so what was your Isidorasput moment from this week all right this is an oldie <laughs> um so there's a there's a a point to it though <laughs> <laughs> I swear um so back when um I had Killian mm-hmm. um we had to start feeding him this special, uh, formula because he was so allergic to like, you know, milk. Yeah. Like milk (laughs) and soy based formulas and all this stuff. We, we tried everything. We finally had to, um, use this brand called Neocate and, um, it was very expensive. I mean, like for a two week supply, it was $300. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was a little, it was an expense we hadn't, you know, counted on. Well, yeah. Know, like you on top of that, everything. Oh, by the way, my kid's going to be allergic to everything, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 It was, it was rough. It was totally mm-hmm. rough. And, um, we live, um, in Washington, but, um, you know, we tried to get our insurance to like, you know, go in on some of it. And apparently if you live in Oregon, like they would have covered it just fine which is weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that really pissed us off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would totally piss me off too. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, he ate that until he was like, you know, one, um, maybe a little older than one, you know, until he started eating, you know, solid foods and all that, Mm -hmm. um, or mushy foods, you know? Yeah. Um, but Neocate has just started texting, not texting, but emailing me. Like just now, just like six years after the fact. Like you're a little behind. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) They've they've just started emailing me like, oh, you know, here's, here's our deals, like blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's really irking my tater. And I know that I could be like unsubscribe. First of all, I don't think I ever subscribed. Like, I don't remember. Yeah, that seems kind of like an odd thing to, Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard from them in, you know, what is it? Six years. Yeah. Yeah. And they're suddenly emailing me and I'm just like, ah, so I should, (laughs) I should just unsubscribe, but I slightly enjoy the like rage that I feel (laughs) when I see them. (laughs) I like my fury. (laughs) I know. So not to knock the brand, they helped us out when nothing else would, you know what I mean? Good God, they're expensive, but But the marketing is a little bit obnoxious. Yeah. And, but their product was amazing, you know? So, so there's that. So anyway, just annoyed at my emails. (laughs) <laughs> not sure what to do. I kind of want to contact them and just be like, why? Like, what? Why do you keep emailing me? But the thing why? is, it's all automated. So it's not, I like, know. you know, I don't I know. I just want to be like, why are you doing this? Maybe you want to like, you know, send me some money back. <laughs> nice. Like that would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, 
not that big of a deal, but kind of oh, ass buddy. Irritating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your idiot or ass moment? Oh, so mine, this happened like right after I got Ahsoka, um, my new horse who's three years old and kind of dumb sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. love her to death but kind of dumb you know because she's three she's a toddler essentially and she's a you know a thousand pound toddler you know yeah so, stupid things happen but this was literally the day after I got her so it had been less than 24 hours and I had some people over from work and we were just kind of hanging out and doing like a get together or whatever so you know get to know your coworkers, all that sort of stuff because generally speaking like some of us don't even always work together, you know, because of our schedules. And so it's kind of fun to be able to like see them more than like once for like an, you know, a brief passing in the hallway. Oh, Hey, I'm just getting here. Okay. Hey, I'm leaving. You know? Yeah. Um, and one of the ladies, one of her daughters is really into horses and she brought her kids with her. And I was like, Oh, like I'll take Toby out. Cause he doesn't care about anything. And you know, he'll still be within eyesight of, you know, Ahsoka. So it should be fine, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I take him out of <laughs> where they were at the time and Ahsoka immediately loses her shit, you know, <laughs> like, and oh. it's like, my friend is gone. I just thought I found somebody that I, that I really liked and we got along and now you're taking them away from me and I'm not thrilled. And she's like, running around and I'm like okay she'll get over it whatever so I go and I like tie up Toby and from the time that it took me to get him out of the fence to like have him tied up was like less than a minute right Mm -hmm. and I see her out running around and I'm like whatever she'll be fine and then literally 30 seconds later I turn around and she's standing right there with us like hey you forgot me you know (laughs) oh no I'm sitting there going oh crap you know and I'm like oh, great. Did I just buy a jumper? Did she just jump the fence? You know, like, yeah, like, cause I don't know, you know, it's been less than 24 hours and she, nobody said anything about her having an affinity to escape, but you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> could be a thing, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, ah, oh, great. So I have to like, and she's not going anywhere cause she wants to be next to Toby. So I have to go and run and get a halter for her to like contain her. And then tie her kind of over where Toby's tied. And I'm like, well, I guess like I wasn't planning on having the baby out for everybody to be messing with today, but you know, she really likes attention. So it'll probably be fine. I'll just watch her, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like do what you will with him. And I'll just kind of hang out near her just in case she decides to get squirrely or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go to look at the fence. Cause I'm like, okay, like, I don't know where she came out, you know, and I'm looking through all over the place. And she took out the hot wire fence like she was going through the like tape at the end of a race. <laughs> she oh, just man. blasted right through it, you know. And then we figured out that, oh, well, the reason that she did that was because, hey, it wasn't on, which we didn't know. Toby's afraid mm-hmm. of anything that looks like hot wire and he can't even stand it when you touch him and you static shock him, you know. So yeah. <laughs> like he's not going to try anything when he thinks that it could be, you know, something that would kind of be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> she hadn't been around hot wire before though. So she was just like, Oh, it's a string. Let me just blast through that. Thank goodness she didn't hurt herself. But yeah. yeah so like less than 24 hours after we had her, she just shot through the whole thing. and was like, oh, I'm here man. now. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
And so <laughs> we've had a couple of incidents with her in the hot wire. There was another one as we like expanded their area that we put up the hot wire and it was definitely on at this point, but we discovered that she doesn't quite know where the hot wire is. Cause you can't totally see it. It's not like the tape hot wire. It's just wire. Yeah. Um, and we figured out that she pays attention to where the little, we have like orange, just like plastic tape that we tie in like around the hot wire. So that way they know where it is, you know, and they can see the little flag and be like, that's my ending line. <laughs> yeah. And we had them out and we had just gotten the fence up and I had told my brother, okay, like when we're ready to let them go, I want you to let them go over here. So then that way, um, they're kind of like they'll get distracted by grass and eventually kind of like work their way around and not necessarily just like go taking off and blast through anything. You know, Mm -hmm. he took that as go take them over here and let them free, (laughs) even though we weren't ready yet. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, okay. Miscommunication, but still like, Oh my gosh. So Ahsoka, what does she do? She sees this big pile of grass hay that had been sitting there and getting gross, you know, that we were trying to get rid of. Um, And both her and Toby go running straight for it. And I'm like, yeah. no, don't eat that. And I'm like, why are they free? You know, and I'm like trying yeah. to chase after them, but like not run after them, you know, to like <laughs> get them away from the stuff that can make them sick if they were to eat it because, hey, that was supposed to be cleaned up before they were gone, but whatever, or like free, but whatever. And then she takes off running down the field and is like, I have so much space now. <laughs> and then blasted through the hot wire fence that we had just put up because there wasn't any flags up and which we figured out like that's why she did it and so both her and Toby like Toby kind of like went halfway through it got zapped and was like nope 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 and like backed up right out of it and then took off in the other direction and the Soka like smacked through it took down part of it and then was like oh my gosh that hurts (laughs) oh poor thing and so they're both just like ripping around the field going I don't know what's happening what is life you know? yeah <laughs> so, yeah and so we finally caught them and fixed the fence again after we just put it up and all that sort of oh stuff. my god but yeah like they're two big old idiots. like that's the thing is horses <laughs> are great but like I always say that they're stupid enough to get themselves into a dumb situation but not to get and they're not you know they're smart enough to get themselves into a situation by being curious most of the time but not mm-hmm. smart enough to get themselves out of a said stupid situation once they've gotten themselves into it. Cause then oh, yeah. often goes, Oh no danger. You know? <laughs> right. So yeah, that was, that was my couple of moments because it's happened more than once now at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> they are, I, I love them, but they're dumbasses sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like giant oh. toddlers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgits and aspects podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under idgits and aspects, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your idgit and aspect moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.